Welcome to Helping Challenging Children. I am Dr. Pat McGuire, author of Never Assume Getting to Know Children Before Labeling Them. I am also a developmental pediatrician who has worked for over 30 years helping children, adolescents, and families learn how to get along and create the best environment to create happy, healthy, and productive adults. This podcast provides knowledge and support to help parents and professionals survive and thrive with challenging children. Each episode will look at a topic that affects how children develop, learn, and behave. Hi, Dr. Pat McGuire here. Have you ever been afraid of something? Was it a fear that others thought was reasonable or something that they tried to tell you you should just chill about? Well, it's important to know that there's a difference because there's fear, which is a reasonable concern of something like um, if there's a tornado warning, there's a reasonable concern that you know the tornado could come through your neighborhood and do damage to your house. And then there's what's called a phobia, which is a very intense fear that doesn't necessarily relate to the immediate situation. Like you may have a phobia to flying insects. And it may or may not have to do with a past history of some sort of attack or uh, being stung by a flying insect. Children frequently have fears and phobias. And the reason for this is that their brains are still extremely immature and they take in information from their, what's called their, their limbic system, the amygdala, which does an immediate assessment or of fight or flight. And if they don't know if something's dangerous or not, or something uh, could be harmful, they're more likely to want to avoid it or escape from it. Studies have shown that a large number of the kids that have phobias um, have a history of some sort of uh, painful existence, traumas, uh, negative feedback from adults as to how they're feeling, but it isn't always that way. Sometimes there's genetics involved too. Indeed, the, uh, the risk of having a phobia, which is in the anxiety disorder family, can be higher in certain genetically vulnerable families. Well, how do you help someone? You know, if you have a real fear, you can help them problem solve their way through it. Like if you say there's a tornado warning, you can say, okay, what do we do for tornado warning? We go down to the basement, you know, we stay away from windows, uh, we get under a secure, um, like a table or something else, uh, and, um, you know, just stay there until this all clear signal goes off. But a phobia, that's going to be a hard one because sometimes it's just talking about the, the, the feared object can make it so that they are irrational to deal with. And you really can't rationalize with them. You can't just tell them to ignore what they're feeling. That doesn't work. It just makes them more scared because then they 
know they don't have someone who they trust to help them to deal with this. Now, I've worked with a lot of kids over the decades, and I've had my share of uh, you know, family members who've had phobias, and a lot of people have had fears, of course. But what you have to do is help them develop what's called a hierarchy of how fearful different aspects of that phobia are. Let's use the dog example, because dogs are a biggie. And it's understandable because they, their bark is very scary, and when they are protecting their property, they can look very ferocious. And yet we also know that dogs can be very uh, loyal and trustworthy and loving. So to help a child who has a phobia of dogs, you would first start talking about, well, let's talk about what we know about dogs. Let's think about what about dogs uh, is scary. And what about dogs is not scary? And how much of dogs we have to be scared of? And draw a table, draw a list, and have the hierarchy of what would be the least scary contact you could have with a dog. And it might first be just saying the word. It may be writing the word on a piece of paper. And then it could be drawing a stick figure of a dog. And maybe then finding a picture of a dog. And then becoming a little more 3D, bringing out a stuffed animal dog or puppy. So they can actually get closer to it, touch it, think about it. After they reach their comfort levels at these different levels of the hierarchy of fear, and the, the child is feeling like they can tolerate the stuffed dog, then, and only then, do you consider having them in the same area as a live dog. Now that may be a block away, but they can still see the dog and they can still hear the dog. But you talk about how the dog is there, the dog has a leash, maybe there's an owner of the dog who's keeping the dog quiet, who's petting the dog, and they work through all the things that tell them that the dog at that point is not dangerous to them. And as they get more comfortable with that, then you can move them a little closer, a little closer. Now, this is not going to happen in one afternoon. This may take several weeks or even a few months. It really depends upon how much they trust you and how much they trust the person who is managing the live dog and then how much they trust the dog itself. For most parents, this may be difficult to do by yourselves because you have your own sense of anxiousness and frustration about your child being in such discomfort, but also the frustration of how it um, impacts your daily life with your child. Because of that, it's important if you find you have any clashes with your child with this, to just get a therapist involved. 
therapists will use a combination of what's called cognitive behavioral therapy, so the talk therapy, as well as what we've been talking about, which is um, developing a hierarchy and reaching point of getting comfortable at different stress levels until they don't feel as stressed. And that's, um, that's one that's used a lot. Now, sometimes people use medications too, but the medications, especially by themselves, are not as effective as working on helping them develop the thinking skills to quiet their amygdala, their fight or flight response. This is something that is a long-term issue that may take years to go through the different fears and phobias they may have. And they may always be more cautious, and that's okay. It's a matter of reaffirming to them that you trust their judgment and you're there to help them if the, the fear or phobia is blocking their ability to proceed with the action they want to take. This is very important because phobias and fears, they, they're debilitating, they're disabling. But with support from us, children can grow to tolerate and sometimes even make the phobia disappear. But tolerating is at least allowing them to function in life. So I know a number of kids that become older and they'll tolerate being on the same block as a dog. They'll tolerate walking past a dog, especially if there's an owner there who has them on a leash. But they don't really want to get too close to them. That's okay. It's just uh, helping them develop strategies and skills in order to be able to function in their daily activities. So if you know a child who has a fear, help them talk it through, develop a plan of how to respond to it, just like I talked about with the tornado. If they have a phobia, help them get more comfortable with more distant levels of that phobia. Like I said, with a dog, start with the word or start, you know, said or written and slowly at the child's pace, then work to increase their ability to tolerate a minor bit of discomfort in order to have a fuller life. So until next week, this is Dr. Pat McGuire.